You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this week's edition of our Tactical Analysis Show, we're going to be taking a deep dive into Kieran Tierney. Now, the Scottish international defender has been a fan favourite from the day he walked in at Emirates Stadium. He's super humble. We've seen him uh, turn up at games with a Tesco carrier bag, something that I probably wouldn't even do. And I don't have anywhere near Kieran Tierney's wealth. He's always been um, very down to earth. He's always shown himself to put the needs of the team at the forefront of everything he does. And you can understand off the back of that, along with the, the kind of the quality of his performances overall since he arrived from Celtic, you can understand why he is such a popular figure at Emirates Stadium. However, at times this season, there have been times where I've been disappointed or perhaps underwhelmed is a better term by some of his performances and some of his displays. Now, it's not to say that Kieran Tierney's been bad. It's not to say that Kieran Tierney is... Um, you know, is poor or that he's not good enough or that this is a, a real issue for Arsenal. But when you see a player perform at a really, really high level over and over and over again, naturally the standard that they set becomes what they're then judged by moving forward. Is he a victim of some of his own high standards? Probably. But I sit and I watch Kieran Tierney at the moment and I think that there is still so much more we could be extracting from this player. Now, I think there are a number of reasons for that. I think some of those reasons are to do with Kieran Tierney himself and some of those reasons are to do with the way that we're setting up tactically as a team. Some of those reasons are to do with the personnel in and around him. Some of those reasons are to do with some of the tweaks that he's had to contend with, that or the whole team have had to contend with, uh, decided by Mikel Arteta in recent months. So on this edition of the podcast, we are going to take a real deep dive into why it is that Kieran Tini's not quite performing at the level right now that we all know he can. Just before we move on, a quick reminder, if you haven't done so already, please do subscribe to the channel. It really, really does help. It will take you just a, a second and you'll receive notifications, of course, every time we go live or schedule in a show. Uh, also, if you haven't hit that like button, what are you waiting for? Hit the like button and uh, and show some love to the channel. Uh, let's uh, quickly have a glance into the comments. Um, before we dive into the deep dive, because once I get on my flow, uh, you might not be able to stop me for a bit. So uh, let's have a look at what some of you guys are saying with regards to this very subject. Kieran Tierney, what's the problem with Kieran Tierney right now? Davidson says he looks quiet and has lost his confidence. He needs to get angry and be decisive again. Uh, Adam says, don't think Martinelli in front of him helps KT. And we're going to come on to talk about uh, you know, what the role is of the player that plays further ahead and the impact that that can have 
on Kieran Tierney. A few hellos as well to Matt, uh, to Martin, to Daniel, uh, to Steve, and of course to DMC Harper. Uh, Peanut Butter Jelly Time says, Harry, I think he tries too hard sometimes. Maybe needs to improve in working smarter, not harder especially with his defending. Um, J04 says, I think he's a problem because he works better with Emil Smith-Rowe. Him and Martinelli haven't worked well. And just on that point with Martinelli, that is something that Mikel Arteta pointed to at various points last season. I remember he was being uh, questioned on why Martinelli wasn't playing a lot. And he did say something to the effect of, well, him and Martinelli as a combination, Tierney and Martinelli, I mean, as a combination, doesn't quite work. Um, obviously, look, Mikel Arteta has, has had to, uh, you know, has had to adapt. He's had to change things. He's had to uh, include uh, Gabriel Martinelli on the left-hand side when uh, Emil Smith-Rowe's been absent. Of course, there was a period of time where Emil Smith-Rowe was back and available, but Martinelli continued, and that's because his form was very, very good. But I do think that there is something historically in that whole combination. Um, Josh says uh, the combination of Tierney, Martinelli and Xhaka further forward doesn't seem uh, very fluid. Um, Martin points at Granite Xhaka and Matt points at the change in Granite Xhaka's role. All things that we're going to dive into on this edition. So without further ado, let's get into it. Why, in my opinion, has Kieran Tierney's form dropped off a little bit? So I think it's a number of things. I think the first thing that you naturally go to when talking about Kieran Tierney is fitness levels. This is a player who's been plagued by injury since arriving at Arsenal Football Club. And I was actually writing a piece on this earlier on today for 90 Min. And I did a bit of digging and I did a bit of research and I came to the conclusion or I found that Kieran Tierney has missed 38 games for Arsenal. 38 matches. That is the equivalent in terms of the number of fixtures to an entire Premier League season. So fitness is always the first thing that I think about when trying to, you know, when discussing Kieran Tierney and, and whether or not he is world class. You know, a lot of people bring this up. Is he world class? Is he a world class left back? I think he's got the capability of being a world class left back. But for me, always fitness has been the big issue. And so naturally, when discussing what's going wrong for Kieran Tierney at the moment, I want to start on the fitness part. I do think that there is an issue with that at this moment in time when it comes to Kieran Tierney. If you cast your mind back to some of the games earlier on in the season, and one that springs to my mind, I think, if I'm not mistaken, was Crystal Palace at home when we got that really late draw after Lacazette popped up deep in stoppage time. I think I'm right in saying that the Crystal Palace game was one of the games where I first really started to notice that Kieran Tierney um, was struggling. And the reason I picked that game out in particular, and I'm just going to double check that it was that game before I start going down that rabbit hole. Uh, let's have a look because I did uh, a piece on this at the time. Yeah, it was this game. Um, so, yeah, so... This was one of the first games where I started to look at Kieran Tierney and think, you're not bad. And I'm not saying he's bad. I'm not saying he's ever really been bad. But this was one of the games where I started to look at Kieran Tierney and thought, well, what is going on here? What has happened to the Kieran Tierney that 
bombs down that left-hand side, gets on the overlap, creates things, causes people problems. The Kieran Tierney that we were accusing of being our only attacking weapon at the start of the season. Where has that guy gone? And the reason I felt that way after that game was because there seemed to be a reluctance in Kieran Tierney to take those risks in terms of getting further forward, to take on a man. There were numerous occasions that day where the left forward was drifting in field and the freedom of the left-hand side was afforded to Kieran Tierney and he was reluctant in taking people on and would always turn back and play the ball back inside. And look, maybe he was being safe. You know, maybe he wasn't feeling 100% that day. But I remember coming away from that game thinking, well, what is it with Kieran Tierney? Is it a lack of confidence in his ability to impact things in the final third? Or is it a lack of a, uh, of confidence in his ability to get back in the event that he loses the ball? And having watched it back, you know, the day after the game and having watched Kieran Tierney in all of the time since then, I think there's a bit of a reluctance in Kieran Tierney to get forward, perhaps from fear of getting back. Now, that can be partly due to tactical instruction. I think Kieran Tierney's role has changed of late and we will, of course, uh, touch on that bit a little bit later on. But I think there's this there's this fear in Kieran Tierney now uh, about getting back. And I wonder if that comes from concerns around this fitness. Now, I was at the game yesterday at Watford um, on Sunday and I, and I didn't feel that Kieran Tierney looked sharp. And I thought there were periods in the first half where defensively we were all over the shop. And Kieran Tierney was as culpable as anybody else in red and white. You know, traditionally, we look at the other side. We look at Cedric. We look at people who have played in that right back position and say that they are not up to the standard. They are not up to the level. And I'm not even saying that Cedric was. But Kieran Tierney certainly wasn't either on the left hand side. And I think that was due to a combination of reasons. And then there was an incident. Uh, just before Watford scored their goal, the first goal, where he came into this coming together with with Sissoko, and he, you know, he he didn't look strong enough to me. He didn't look sharp enough. He didn't react quick enough, and he ended up losing the ball. And off the back of that, uh, Watford got forward and created that opportunity for Cucho Hernandez to score that sublime goal. So. Sharpness for me feels like an issue, and that is part of fitness. And so, while I'm not sitting here saying that Kieran Tierney is completely unfit or that Kieran Tierney, uh, you know, shouldn't be in the side, I am saying that I've seen him in better physical condition. Has he been carrying a knock? And we don't know about it. Maybe, you know, that's a real possibility. We hear about that all the time. Players taking injections to play. Players playing through the pain barrier to be able to get out onto the pitch. And we know that Mikel Arteta regards him as a very, very important play, player. We know that Mikel Arteta perhaps isn't as convinced on Nuno Tavares as he once was, given that incident that happened at Nottingham Forest, where he was hooked off and the reaction to him being hooked off, etc. I don't know. I, I, I think that fitness is, is the first place we should look when it comes to Kiratini because it's so often been a problem for him. It's something that I don't think we can afford to just completely overlook. But I also think uh, the the adapting or the changing slightly of his role and the role of some of the players around him has also played a massive, massive part in Kieran Tierney's, what I believe to be drop-off in form. If I just share with you the tactics board and we have a look at the way that Arsenal 
have been lining up of late. It used to be a 4-2-3-1, okay? It used to be that, with Granit Xhaka and Thomas Partey sitting at the foot of that midfield and with Martin Odegaard having that freedom further forward. And in recent weeks, we've seen an adaptation to that that I think has made us look more free-flowing and more effective as an attacking outset uh, outlet. Sorry, But it's a move that I think has taken away a lot of the protection that Kieran Tierney once had, which gave him and afforded him the freedom of that entire left-hand side. So let me explain. If you look at where Granit Xhaka is playing now, he is playing in this left of centre position where he's expected to squeeze forward as part of the press. He's expected to drift out towards that left-hand side and become uh, a double-up with Gabriel Martinelli, just like the way Martin Odegaard is doing it on the right-hand side. What does that mean? It means that Thomas Partey is then left to patrol this centre of midfield alone. And Thomas Partey, um, you know, he's as great as he is, he's not Superman. And so there needs to be other steps put into place and other measures put into place that mean that we're not super exposed when that happens. Now, historically, in a Mikel Arteta system, and I always talked about this on this very show, I talked about it being lopsided. I talked about us very often shifting into a shape where Odegaard would slot into the 10 role. Partey and Xhaka would become a double midfield pivot. Uh, the right fullback uh, would uh, would be very conservative and tuck in alongside Gabriel and White. And then Tierney would bomb on knowing that Granit Xhaka would pick up the space, uh, you know, just slightly to the left of centre, giving Kieran Tierney that additional freedom. But with Xhaka's role changing and with Xhaka's role having been adapted, all of a sudden, Kieran Tierney doesn't have that protection that he once had. So when I say that his reluctance to get forward or his, you know, or the lowering of his effectiveness as a as a forward threat is clear to see, it could be partly down to fitness, because I think that if he could get forward more, he probably would. Um, but I think it's largely due to tactical reasons as well. So I think these tactical tweaks that Mikel Arteta has made have enabled us uh, in the attacking third and have given the opportunities to people like Martinelli, like Saka, like Odegaard, like Emil Smith-Rowe when he plays, more freedom and the space to operate in. Great, because that's what those guys are on the pitch to do. But it's taken away something from Kieran Tierney's game that we've become really adept to, that we've become so used to that now we're not seeing it. It feels weird and it feels strange and it feels foreign. So, the tactical tweaks that Mikel Arteta have, has made have really taken away uh, a lot of what Kieran Tierney's great at. And now the spotlight is not half on what he does as an attacking outlet and half of what he does from a defensive standpoint. It is solely on what he does as a defender. And with Xhaka playing that role and Thomas Partey not being Superman and not always being able to get across and provide a defensive screen for him, you end up in a position where he's quite often isolated and he's in a position where he's having to do a lot more defending than he's ever done in the past. He still does it well for the most part, but going back to that fitness and sharpness point, I think that he didn't look 100% sharp and he didn't look 100% at Watford. And that combined with the tweaks in the system have led to him um, looking a little bit more exposed of late. Now, we've touched on Granit Xhaka and, and the protection that he used to offer uh, Kieran Tierney. And let's make it clear, this is not a dig 
at Granite Xhaka. He's clearly been asked to play a different role by his manager, a role that he's done quite well, I think. There's been a couple of moments where I've, I've looked at it and it feels like I'm looking at a square peg in a bit of a round hole. But for the most part, I think he's done a pretty decent job uh, of it. So we've touched on Xhaka's bit. But what about Gabriel Martinelli, who's playing on the left side? Now, I think there is a real difference here in, in that when Martinelli plays on the left-hand side, you're playing with a left forward. And that when Emil Smith-Rowe plays from the left-hand side, you're playing with a midfielder out on the left-hand side who's always going to drive in in a very different way to the way that Martinelli does. Martinelli's explosive. Martinelli wants to play on the shoulder. Martinelli wants you to knock balls over the top of the fullback for him to chase. That is what Gabriel Martinelli wants. And if he wants to receive the ball out in a wide position, he wants to receive it right on the touchline where he can bring it under his spell and then drive uh, directly in towards the penalty area. Defensively, does he work hard enough? Yeah, I think he does. Um, it's not a case of looking at the young lad and saying he doesn't put shift in. That's not fair. But I just think that his positioning, um, which is naturally a little bit wider than that of Emil Smith-Rose, is, is something that impacts on Kieran Tierney because it then takes him longer to get back in and back into a defensive position when the turnovers happen. So I think that that Martinelli-Tierney combination, as I touched on earlier in the show, I don't think it works as well as Tierney and, and Smith-Rowe does for those reasons that I've explained. And I think that Mikel Arteta is very, very aware of that too. But there are other issues here. There are other things at play. Why else is Kieran Tierney finding it harder nowadays than he has been in the past? Well, I think the absence of Takahiro Tomiyasu also plays a part. Now, Takahiro Tomiyasu is a right-back, and you might be thinking to yourself, what the shit does the right-back on the complete opposite side of the pitch have to do with Kieran Tierney? What impact does he have on Kieran Tierney? What influence can Takahiro Tomiyasu's absence possibly have on Kieran Tierney's game? And I think it's quite obvious. I think that when Takahiro Tomiyasu plays, and just bear, just for those of you watching, just pretend this is Takahiro Tomiyasu in at right back. What you see is this shapeshift from Arsenal, a shapeshift that allows Ben White to tuck in as a central centre-back, Gabriel to move out to the left-hand side, and Tomiyasu, given his background as a centre-back, can quite happily slot in as the right-sided one. And that allows Kieran Tierney to step into the midfield and get close to Granit Xhaka and get close to Martinelli. It gives him the opportunity to go on the outside. It also gives him the opportunity to get into those half spaces as well. But what you end up with there is you end up with an overload. You end up with a little bit of a triangle uh, between three players, Tierney, Xhaka and Martinelli, which we can use to get around people and create opportunities. Likewise, on the right-hand side, where Odegaard drifts out and joins up with, Bukai with Bukayo Saka. But that trio happens on the left because Tierney is allowed to move in and then it means that Partey can shift over a bit and it means that Xhaka can slightly adapt his position too. But on the right-hand side, we're having to change what we're doing at the moment because of Tomiyasu's absence. Now, Cedric Suarez isn't anywhere near as comfortable at tucking in as a right centre-back. That's not his game. It's not what he does. It's not what he's ever done. Cedric... If you're looking for what Cedric is best at, you'd have to say that in the final third, when he does get forward and he makes those overlapping runs, he's got a brilliant delivery. I would say that's the strongest part of Cedric Suarez's game. 
But there's a reluctance in Arsenal to shift into this shape because of Tommy Asu's absence. It's so clear to see. We saw it at Watford yesterday, time and time again. And instead, what we saw was Arsenal staying like a like a back four. And that then means that Kieran Tierney has a, a kind of a buffer as to how far forward he can get without leaving his teammates up shit street. Um, it also means that Gabriel has to tuck in and stay closer to Ben White. And it means that, you know, we we lose a little bit in terms of uh, that solidarity in the central areas of the pitch because Cedric isn't going to naturally drift in as much. And I believe that the, the acquisition of Takahiro Tomiyasu was, you know, it was done for him to come in as a right back, but a very specific type of right back, the type of right back that fits into all of what I'm describing and the type of right back that fits into, um, you know, what it is that Mikel Arteta is trying to build. And unfortunately, at the moment in Cedric Suarez, who, let's be honest, has done quite well in the last few games uh, coming in as a, as a deputy. Cedric is not the type of right back that fits in with the game plan. And we're having to adapt slightly, even if it's not something that we're doing or that comes from the dressing room, even if it's not something that's being drilled into the players ahead of games, it's something that we're naturally doing to cope with the differences in Cedric's game, as opposed to what Takahiro Tomiyasu brings to the table. So I think for me, there are a lot of reasons as to why uh, Kieran Tierney's game is suffering at the moment. So let me just recap. I think fitness is a problem. I don't think he looks as sharp as he can be. I think Xhaka's change in role has clipped Kieran Tierney's wings in many ways in that he can't get forward as much as he used to, knowing he's got the freedom of the left-hand side because of Xhaka being back and covering him. He can't do that as frequently, knowing that Thomas Partey alone is the defensive screen. Playing with Gabriel Martinelli is not bad, but it has its differences to when you're playing with Emil Smith-Rowe. Tomiyasu's absence from the right-hand side has meant that when Arsenal do shapeshift, between in possession and out of position, we shapeshift into a slightly different shape. And again, that's another tactical ad adaptation that Kieran Tierney and others are having to cope with. And I think there's a lack of confidence. I, I, I really do. I think at the start of the season and at points last season, we were looking at Kieran Tierney as our main attacking outlet. And all of us recognised that that was a problem. You know, we had to do something about it. We can't be reliant on this left back to get forward and create everything. It was a real issue for Arsenal. And as we've moved away from that, some of the focus has been taken off of Kieran Tierney. And perhaps now there is a reluctance or, or, or a lack of confidence that means that when he does venture into those attacking positions, which he does far less frequently now, that he's not really sure about himself. He's out of the habit. He's out of the loop. I don't know. It just feels to me... Um, like there are a number of factors at play here. But am I worried? No. Um, Kieran Tierney's a, a brilliant player and he's recently been promoted to vice captain. It looks as though he's going to get the armband on a full-time basis next season. I don't think that's a decision that too many will have complaints about. I think it's a decision, in fact, that most people would probably back and support. So um, I'm not worried about Kieran Tierney. I'm not worried about this continuing. I'm not worried about... Um, you know, about his future. I'm not sitting here saying that Nuno Tavares should play ahead of him. Kieran Tierney, even at this level, is a really good defender. But it just I just look at it and I think there is more that can be extracted from Kieran Tierney at this moment in time. And 
is what we've gained as an attacking outfit in terms of giving those players more freedom further forward to move. Is that worth sacrificing what Kieran Tierney brings to the table? I think on balance, it probably is. You know, I think you'd rather uh, Martinelli, Odegaard, Saka, Pepe, you'd rather those guys thrive in an attacking sense than the left back because naturally they're going to contribute more. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing for the team, but I think, you know, it's been noticeable that Kieran Tierney's performances through various periods this season have dropped off a little bit, not to the point where they're bad, but just because he set such a high standard. We all know that he can do more and we know that we can get more out of him. It, it can be a little bit frustrating at times, but I think those are the reasons, um, you know, that he's struggling. I, I, I really do. Uh, let me know your thoughts in the comments. Let me know your thoughts in the live chat if you're with us live and uh, and we'll discuss some of those and we will uh, take some of your questions between now and the end of the show as well. Uh, a couple of super chats. Big thank you to Saeed Abdullah. Saeed, thank you uh, so much for your generosity again, Matt. We really, really appreciate it. He says, genuinely, uh, sorry, genuinely think um, Tierney needs a sports psychologist or something. Feels like he doesn't trust himself to sprint around anymore after all his injuries. He's way, way better than what he has shown this season. That's an interesting point. Has the constant injuries had an impact on his psyche? Has the constant injuries uh, put Kieran Tierney in a position where, where he now doubts whether he can get up and down the pitch? Potentially. And I said it earlier, I don't think that Kieran Tierney's, you know, the, the reduction of those runs from Kieran Tierney is because he lacks ability or feels that he lacks ability. I think it's from fear of not getting back more than from fear of not impacting the game in an attacking sense. And I think that that comes from fitness. And that's why I started at that very point. Has it got into his head? Maybe. Does it play a part in the way he thinks? Maybe. Has it uh, had the negative impact on his game? Perhaps. It's a really, really good point, side. Uh, and thank you, of course, uh, for raising it. Uh, another super chat from side as well. He says, I'm still believing in him. Not worried at all. He'll be back at his best. I also think I also think his fitness is not the problem. I think it's confidence. So uh, side disagreeing with me slightly uh, on that. But thank you, uh, as always, mate, for your very kind uh, donations. And of course, your input to the show. Uh, Tired Gunasaurus says, is Tavares going to be a better option? I don't think Tavares is a better defender than Kieran Tierney. Uh, not, not for a second. I've never thought that. Um, if you think back to that time, when was it? End of October, beginning of November, when Nuno Tavares had that run in the side. I was saying that he gives us this unpredictability and he gives us something different in an attacking sense. And at that point, it was really working and it was really working well. I think with Tavares, what he's got over Tierney is physical attributes. I think he's quicker. I think he's stronger. I think he's more mobile. But that's not always the be-all and end-all. And I think if Kieran Tierney had Nuno Tavares's frame and body, let's say, he would be one of the best left-backs, if not the best left-back in world football. I genuinely believe that. But, you know, for what Tavares has in raw ability and physical strength, um, he, he you know, is great, but he lacks, I think, in defensive intelligence. Whereas Kieran Tierney is the opposite. I think he's got that defensive intelligence, but I think he can lack physically. If you could somehow 
squash the two into one and, and you know, make this perfect concoction of Tavares and Tierney, you'd be laughing. But we can't do that. So uh, we've got to accept the rough and the smooth from both of them. I don't think Tavares should come into the team ahead of Kieran Tierney at this moment in time. And it's clear, given what I said about the captaincy and the fact that he keeps getting the armband, when Lacazette goes off, that Mikel Arteta sees him as one of the leadership group. So why would he take him out unless he has to? Um, but yeah, it's um, I, I don't want to see Tavares starting ahead of him at this point. But I do think that there is uh, there is cause for concern with Kieran Tierney's performances. Although I don't think it's cause for long-term concern. I think it's just an issue and a bit of a problem that we need to keep an eye on at the moment. And hopefully he can come through it. Uh, and get back to his best. Uh, JO4 uh, says, unpopular opinion, Harry. If we get Champions League football, send Tavares on loan and bring in another left back for healthy competition. Also bring in another right back to compete with Tomiyasu. Cedric and Tavares aren't ready. I don't think that's an unpopular opinion. Um, I, I think that we look at the squad now and we look at it and we think that it is a bit thin and it is a bit light and that... There are certainly players in that, you know, second string in that that there would normally be subs when everyone's fit that you think maybe aren't quite up to the standard required just yet. But as I always say, you can't build depth unless you have a team first. And we've not even built the team yet. So the depth that will come afterwards. Um, if we get in the Champions League, I do think that we'll definitely go out and bring in uh, players to bolster that squad, players with the right attitude, players with the right technical um, qualities. Uh, you know, that that goes without. We're going to have to, you know, we'll have to do that if, of course, we qualify. But Cedric, for me, is not someone that I see being at Arsenal in the long term. I don't think Mikel Arteta sees him like that either. Um, he's someone that is, is is a means to an end right now. And, um, and I think there will be plans in the background to upgrade on him. As for Tavares, I don't know how much of an impact that whole incident at Nottingham Forest has had on his relationship between him and Arteta, but we've not seen an awful lot of him since. Um, and, th and there have been games where I've looked at the team and gone, I might bring him on now just to give us that little bit more uh, mobility and the pace and the strength and the directness that I talked about earlier on, on that left-hand side. And we've, we've not seen it. So I do wonder about that and, and where that is going. Um, but I don't want to send players out on loan when we don't even have enough to deal with our current, you know, our current fixtures, our current response. We can't fulfill our responsibilities without worrying about injuries every single week. Why would we give out players to strengthen others and therefore weaken ourselves? Now, I'm, I wouldn't send any of them out on loan, but I accept the point about building the squad depth and, and building, uh, you know, to, to have higher quality deputies, if you if you like. Um, what else have we got? Uh, just uh, having a look through uh, the comment section. Martin, um, AFC says, in fairness, with the amount of crosses KT makes, if we had a real target man in the box, then he could be on 20 plus assists this season. Yeah, but that's not the way we play, Martin. And and I thought that at various points, he'd get into those positions and then he'd put the ball into the box more by more because that's what our opponent was letting us do than because it's what we mapped out to do. We had various games where we was really struggling to break people down and we were facing these low blocks and the only space we could fashion was on that left-hand side. 
And when Kieran Tierney would get there and look up and not see many options, not many people kind of asking for the ball to feet, naturally he'd look up and deliver it into the penalty area. I think that's something we've really moved away from in recent weeks, which suggests to me it wasn't ever really part of Mikel Arteta's philosophy or plan. And it was something that we were doing because we were getting into those positions and then running out of ideas. That's how I see it. But, you, you know, if a target man comes in, then you can change that. You can adapt that. You can be more, uh, you know, I don't know, open to playing that way or, or, or be more accommodating of that particular style of build-up. But I, I think a lot of the time, as I say, him getting into those positions and crossing the ball into the box was not by design, but more so something that we were doing because there were no other ideas. And that was the only bit of space we were able to fashion because we didn't have the quality, we didn't have the goal, we didn't have the intensity um, and we didn't have the trickery to to really hurt people down uh, through the middle. And we've been much more effective at hurting people through the middle of late. And that's coincided with the press getting a lot better and, and with uh, slight tweaks to the structure in other areas, i.e. the tweak that we've made to Xhaka's positioning, the tweak that we've made... Um, you know, in the way that the left back operates. So, yeah, uh, lots and lots of um, interesting things to consider and, and interesting things to kind of mull over uh, around this Kieran Tierney topic. But that's kind of my assessment on what I think the problems are with Kieran Tierney at the moment. I say problems, I don't mean that he's bad, he's terrible, he's shit and he needs to be bombed out of the team. I mean that, um, you know, we're not seeing the best of Kieran Tierney. And when we've seen it so often in the past, it's a little bit uh, worrying and a little bit frustrating, even if just in the short term. Okay, just a quick reminder, if you haven't done so already, please do hit that like button. Um, Let's try and hit our targets there. And if you haven't subscribed to the channel uh, already, please do so by clicking uh, below. It really, really does help. I just want to remind you that our partners over at Football Prizes are currently auctioning off a Ben White signed and custom framed football boot. That runs until Thursday. Click on the link in the description and it will take you straight there. You can enter the competition. You can buy your ticket for just £5.95. You've got to be in it to win it. And what a prize this would be. Imagine what uh, what a wonderful gift it would be uh, for an Arsenal supporting friend. It's a Ben White signed and custom framed football boot. And you can enter, as I say, over at Football Prizes for just £5 pounds 95 also if you're listening to the audio we're going to take a brief pause um for a message from our sponsor okay um let's take a a few more of your comments let's take a few more of your thoughts uh before we uh, wrap up um gb says uh kt is also no trent alexander arnold with the quality of his balls into the box no he's not um, you know, I, I would argue that there probably isn't another Trent Alexander-Arnold in world football. His delivery is sensational. It's superb. It really, really is. I think Kieran Tierney's final product hasn't always been great. I think that there's been a lot made of uh, of his ability to get forward and then the crosses that come off the back of that throughout the time he's been at Arsenal. And I think that, as I say, we looked at that team that was lacking ideas, lacking creativity, and we kind of got sucked into thinking that was the way forward. Actually, no, it's not. You know, I'd much rather see Odegaard, Saka, Martinelli, Lacazette. I'd rather see all of those those guys thrive in the attacking 
Third, because they're going to have more of an impact and they're going to have more of a say on how our season goes. So as I keep saying, although it seemed like Kiarantini was the only one ever trying to make anything happen in an attacking sense and in a defensive sense, I think actually gearing the team up and, and setting the team up in a way from which we get the maximum out of those players further forward is is, is the right decision. It's just clipped Kieran Tierney's wings a little bit. And now the next challenge for the manager is to work out how he can still get more from Tierney um, in this current game model. I think that's really, really important. OK, um, Andre says, if we qualify for the Champions League, would you keep Xhaka as a good squad option? Yeah, I would. Um, I'm one of the few people that doesn't want to see Granit Xhaka leave. Do I accept that there could be upgrades? Do I accept that there are players out there who could play that role he's currently playing to a higher standard? Absolutely, I do. But that doesn't mean that we have to kick Granit Xhaka to the curb. He is a very useful player um, in the midfield because he can do a variety of different things. He's currently playing as a, a number six, um, you know, or, a, you know, between a six and an eight. Um, you know, we've seen him do all sorts of different things. So, you know, and, and clearly he's a leader. Clearly he's got the right mentality, even if you don't think that... <coughs> I beg your pardon. Sorry, even if not everybody's convinced, I think that he brings a lot to the table. And uh, and I'll be quite happy to see him stay. Look, if he left, I won't cry. I won't be upset. I won't be devastated by it. Um, because I, I, I feel like his Arsenal career... Has, has gone as far as it probably will ever go. But um, I'm just saying that I, I'm not desperate to see him out the door like some people are. Uh, that's that's my take on that. Thank you for the question, Andre. Um, uh, Ty Gunasaurus says, what is Arteta's goals for the defence? Just to defend and nothing else. No, I think it's, it, look, if you want to play a pressing game, if you want to play uh, that kind of aggressive style of football that we've seen from Mikel Arteta's side recently, then it's something that everybody has to participate in. It's not just about the frontline pressing. The frontline press, and that needs to be then followed up by the midfield, and then that needs to be followed up by a defence that's capable of squeezing up the park. We've also seen that when teams come on to us, we want to be able to have that ability of sucking them in and playing around them. So the role of Arsenal's defence is, is very varied. Um, as well. And um, and I think, uh, you know, we're, we're starting to see it take shape. But naturally, when you solve one problem, sometimes other things crop up that you maybe didn't account for. And I think that the loss of form with Kieran Tierney is something that we didn't account for when changing the roles of some of the players around him. But they've clearly had an impact. So I think that it's something that Mikel Arteta will solve eventually. Um, it's not something of major concern right now, but I just thought it were really interesting to bring up off the back of that Watford game because a lot of the other tactical stuff, we've seen it for weeks now, and I don't want to just regurgitate the same content over and over and over again. But Kieran Tierney was someone who I did come away from the ground thinking wasn't quite at the races today um, and, uh, and and somebody that I wanted to focus on on this edition. Um Let's take this one from uh, Saswat, who says, was watching Fabian Ruiz in the Napoli-Milan game yesterday. Good game, by the way. Honestly, didn't look much different to Xhaka, in my opinion. Need a Gundogan-esque player, probably. And I've said this before, mate. I've said this on this show. I said that when it comes to Fabian Ruiz, a lot of the same criticisms that Arsenal fans repeatedly throw at Granit Xhaka 
would come to the fore again. You'd say he doesn't turn quick enough. You'd say he's not fast across the ground. You'd say he's a little bit heavy. Um, all of those, not heavy as in physically heavy, but, uh, you know, he's not very sharp in the way he turns, etc. Brilliant left foot, brilliant technical player. But um, as I say, a lot of the issues that the kind of wider Arsenal fan base have with Granit Xhaka, I promise you, uh, would come up with Fabian Ruiz as well. Uh, let's take one or two more. Uh, Grace says, Harry, do you want us to sign to replace, uh, who do you want us to sign to replace Shaka? Um, well, it's interesting because if you'd have asked me this question a month ago, I would have said Ruben Neves or someone of that mold. But now that we've seen that role be slightly adapted to more of a, an eight role or, or this in-between role between an eight and a six, then I think that that changes things dramatically. Um, you know, Yuri Tielemans isn't having a, an amazing time at the moment, but I think he's someone who could play that role. Um, and I think there are others out there as well. I, you know, I don't really want to go down the rabbit hole of transfer talk at this stage, just because I think it's important that we focus on on what's happening on the pitch and Arsenal, hopefully, fingers crossed, achieving their goals between now and the end of the season. But towards the end of the season, when the summer's around the corner, we will do some focus shows on certain players that I think can play the role. And I'll, I'll have time by then uh, to research a few more of them. But I was dead set on, if not Ruben Neves, somebody of his mould coming in um, in the summer until I saw Mikel Arteta change things up and tweak the role of, of Granit Xhaka, essentially. So that now changes things quite dramatically. Uh, let me take uh, just uh, one more from Side who says, would you rather have... Would you rather give the armband to KT or Odegaard? I think it looks like it's going to go to Kieran Tierney just because he's been made the vice captain. Every time Lacazette goes off at the moment, the armband is passed on to him. But me personally, I'm not against giving it to Martin Odegaard. You know, I think that Martin Odegaard is very quickly becoming a really, really important player and, and really quickly becoming key to everything that Arsenal do. My worry, though, with somebody like Martin Odegaard is that we've seen Arsenal players in the past be given the captain's armband, creative players, and it kind of weigh on them a little bit. And that responsibility then takes away from the, the kind of freedoms that they have as a creative player. And that's what's great about them in the first place. So I do have a slight reservation about Martin Odegaard. I don't have uh, any reservations about Kieran Tierney in terms of his character, in terms of his mindset. But for me, it's about fitness with Kieran Tierney. Do you want to give the captaincy to someone who's got a pretty bad record when it comes to injuries? I know Touchwood since October, he seems to have turned a bit of a corner on that Kieran Tierney, but it's still really not a long time, is it? October to the beginning of March, end of October, that is. No, sorry, he returned in November. So it's November uh, to the beginning of March. It's not an awful long time. So I've got reservations about both of them for different reasons. But I still think they're two of the best candidates. And if either of them got it, I wouldn't be upset. In fact, I'd back it. I'd be happy. They both deserve it for different reasons, but they both have, for me, one major reason why they shouldn't get it. And that's with Odegaard, the fear of taking away his creative freedom. And... um when it comes to Tierney, it's my fear of him being sidelined for long periods of time and not having our captain on the pitch. So, um, yeah, 
Cool. We are going to leave it there. Thank you all uh, so, so much for tuning in. Very, very much appreciated. Make sure you hit the like button if you haven't done so already. Make sure you are subscribed to the channel if you are new. Check out Football Prizes. Check out Athletic Greens as well. Link is in the description. Subscribe. Help us on our way towards 20,000 subscribers, which we're hoping to achieve by the end of the season. Um, and hopefully we can get there with all your love and support. I'll be back tomorrow with some more Arsenal-related content. Until then, take care of yourselves and stay safe. Goodbye. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.